What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here for this month's presenting sponsor, Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate, artist-run exhibition space showcasing the original paintings and fine art prints of Beth Ann Wilson. Also, it features curated goods from local artists and craftsmen. You'll be sure to find one-of-a-kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street in Highlandtown, across from the Sally O's, Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together Wilson's love of the arts, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafts workshops throughout the year and participates in community events, many of which are free and open to the public. So in this ever-changing world, safety is their priority. So feel free to join them and hit them up online at www.nightowl.gallery. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art on MTR Podcast. I am your host, Rob Lee. And my next guest is an award-winning photojournalist based in Baltimore and a co-host of the photojournalism podcast, 10 frames per second. We have Joe Giordano. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. Uh, so so this is this is going to be great. I'm looking forward to this. Um, and me too. I've been following you for, for a while. And I've been doing this thing recently of checking to see who's who because people out there it's you know how it is you know how it is mm-hmm. and i mentioned i was like i'm interviewing joe i was like oh oh yeah that's gonna be great <laughs> look forward to it. it's gonna be a good one we'll see uh so if you will i, I kind of gave that that ten thousand foot view photojournalism all that describe your work describe what you're doing well i mean i'm, I'm a freelance photojournalist I, I also teach at baltimore school for the arts i teach photography black and white photography um, dark room and printing. I mean, uh, yeah. And, and developing in Baltimore school for the arts. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of freelance work. I've shot for like the guardian is, you know, one of my clients, um, locally I shoot for Baltimore brew. Um, right now I'm, I've been concentrating more on a lot of my projects that I've been working on. I just had my book published. We used to live at night, um, available at, at um, most of the book, fine bookstores in the city. Um, so that, that was knock on wood. That's been successful. Uh, I'm working on a couple of other projects. Um, I got a show coming up at the Reginald Lewis museum, a, a joint show coming up at the Reginald Lewis museum that opens on, on July 10th. Um, I'm, I'm part of a group that's honoring Robert, the late Robert Houston, the, the photographer who passed away about a month or so ago. Uh, so that's coming up. I'm, I'm very, very, uh, uh, humbled. I know people use that word now, you know, kind of like throw it out there, but I mean, really when they asked me to be part of this, I, I was speechless for about five minutes. Um, because he, Robert, uh, documented the poor people's campaign under Dr. King. And I, I was asked because when I had, I had taken a portrait of Robert and we talked about a lot about the poor people's campaign and he had encouraged me to keep on it to keep photographing. And I photographed the 50th anniversary of the poor people's campaign. So I, my work is kind of bookending his earlier work. Um, and then Devin and Dee, who are two, two other photographers, they're filling out the Baltimore scene, but mine's going to kind of just have to do with the DC marches and the Annapolis marches for the poor people's campaign. So that that's going to be part of this group show that's opening at the Lewis on uh, July 10th. Oh, wow. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. 
I, I like I like how the plugs are in there right there. I like that. I like that that's coming up. Um, <laughs> well, well, that's what I'm up to. Uh, you know, it, it's summertime. So as far as the freelance work, yeah. you know, it, it, like I just got a phone call today. You know, I went down and covered um, the, the the Cherry Hill Garden that the city's trying to evict. Right. So that's what I mean with freelance. You know, I, I don't have stuff on the plate. It just they call and I go, yeah. you know, so those are the projects that I'm that I'm working on, you know, so. So. You, you so let let's let's go into some of these influences, right? So mm-hmm. like, which f- photographers have influenced you, and, and, and how do they maybe influence your thinking, your uh, your your photo work, and your career path as like more in a general holistic kind of sense? Um, I think like my my main influences, I, I really love, and he 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 tends to be an underrated photographer, but uh, Roy D. Carava just his use of, of his eye for light, you know, his eye for black and white um, shadows and highlights is uh, uh, unlike, mo- unlike really any other photographer. Um, he operated, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s uh, in Harlem. He, his book, Sweet Fly Paper of Life is, is a classic. They just reissued it. Uh, anybody that's listening, uh, you can get a copy of that. I think you can order it locally. I'm, I'm not going to say the A word. I encourage people to go to the bookstores and get it. Uh, or tra- it's out there to order. I got mine at the museum of art. Uh, they have one copy left BMA. Um, uh, so he's, he's, he's really big. Uh, Italian photographer, Paolo Pellegrin is one of my, uh, big influences. Um, uh, Diana Ferretto is one. I, I just really started getting to the work of Latoya Frazier, uh, because of my, my steelworker stuff. And she does this fantastic work with the, the small town that she came from in Pennsylvania. I think it's Pennsylvania. Um, so those are, you know, those are, those are three, uh, Brassai, you know, for, for the, the nighttime work that I did, he's been a long time influence on my work. Uh, the Swiss photographer, uh, Jacob, uh, Tugener, another, another nighttime photographer, um, that I really look to for inspiration. Um, but it changes all the time. You know, I, I try not to be too stagnant and I try to find new photographers, you know, all, all the time. Um, especially with teaching, I try to keep things fresh. I, I try to, you know, I tell my students, we get rid of the old white beardy men pretty quick. You know, I like they have to, cause you know, here's the inventors and they're gone. And then we try, I try to really focus on the women photographers, photographers of color, you know, that have been pushed out by this, by really, you know, this, this white supremacist patriarchal historical view of photography. I know all that sounds like a modern word jumble, but it's true. No, it is. It's yeah. true. You know, um, when you look at the history of photography, it's been crafted by old white guys, right? Yeah. Four old white guys. <laughs> and that's like a version of FUBU, yeah. but, but not good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, in my class, so I'll, I'm discovering new photographers all the time that I'm looking at work and I'm just like, wow, you know, I mean, thanks to Google, really for, for, you know, just having archives and, um, you know, the Instagram account, you know, black archives, like really looking up these different types of, you know, from South Africa, from, you know, the, the European continent, from, from everywhere I can pull the histories from, and that's influencing me. So in a roundabout way, my influences are always changing. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. Like I, I look at it almost the same way. Like I think if you're passionate about what you're doing, you're always learning, you're always gathering, you're always getting some influence from, from, from various places. And I, it, it, I remember, um, 
I, I was talking with, I believe, John Tyler, a musician, John Tyler, and he'd made the point that not uh, that his influences aren't solely in his particular craft. They are not like other guitars, other people that are doing jazz. They may be more more broad. So outside of um, folks in the kind of uh, photography space and, and, and working with light and, and, and lenses and such, what are what are other influence that are influences that might be there that you're like you know what I, I really I'm really influenced by Daffy Duck or, or something along those lines because people give you mm-hmm. uh, questions but what would be some other influence that are outside of your specific line of work? I mean, I, I like painting. Um, I'm not very much into abstract painting. I'm more into um, kind of genre painting, okay. scene painting with people in it doing something. I don't know why I'm just always been, I've always been attracted to that um, kind of scene painting stuff. Uh, I, I read a lot. Um, so books are very influential in, into how, into how I see things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a comic book nerd, right? So, <laughs> so, and I'm also a big Kaiju nerd, but that, I don't think that really influences. I think the, the comic book panels probably hark back to why I like genre art, genre paintings, Hogarth and stuff like that. Um, because I like people like movement and doing stuff. I'm not that big into, to abstract work, but, um, yeah. So a lot of outside influences definitely comes from reading about painters and scenes and paintings and, and things like that. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about comics a little bit. Probably. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, now, I, now I can throw a comic question in there. Bring it on. So, so how, how important, is the lived experience to your work. Like I, I find people are just, they may not be in a scene. They may not be aware of it. It may not be something that matters to them, especially in kind of a, a I was a freelancer at one point. So sometimes the mm. mission it didn't matter to me as much as the paycheck because I'm a freelancer, but how yeah. important is the lived experience and, and kind of having some skin in the game to the work that you're doing? Well, I think, I mean, overall, like there's a, there's a pair, there's a very good, paradigm shifts happening right like i think now when we do you know especially with different communities right like when, when it comes to subjects like trans right or pe- you know people with disability i think people in those communities should take on those subjects mm-hmm. right i think lived experiences bring a lot more to the table than an outsider coming in like it used to be right um you know, I, I just turned down, I, someone had asked me, um, I, I've, I've, I've given, I've suggested other people for jobs like that. I, I can't give too much away because it's a publication stuff, but I, I've, I've referred people to jobs where I felt I'm not the right person for that job. Sure. I, have to, I just have to be vague because someone got the assignment. So I don't want to blow anybody up because it's not out yet. Yeah. But I just want, you know what I mean? So I think lived experience is important in that way. But on, you know, also, I don't think you have to experience things to call attention to it. Right. 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 Yeah. Like, you know, if like, I I think the job of a photojournalist or a documentary photographer is to help people, right. Is to take pictures that make authority feel uncomfortable, right? There's a reason why cops beat up on photographers, right? And camera people, 
you know, there's a reason for that because they don't want the, they don't want these stories out there. Right. There's a reason that city hall bans photographers or photographers can't go here. can't go there because they don't want you to see what's going on. Right. They don't really care about the words too much as much as they care about the visual. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I don't think you have to be a corrupt politician to photograph corrupt politicians. <laughs> right. You know, um, you don't have to say, man, you know, I have people living in my alley that really need help. And I'm a photojournalist. If I, if the city can help them, my pictures with their nowadays, you know, I, I try to be empathetic and work with the subjects and work with the people and not just parachute in, take pictures and leave. Yeah. Like I said, this is back to that paradigm shift and everything. Right. So I think it's important that photojournalists do come from communities sometimes for the stories. It, it brings more to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can't bring anything to the black voguing scene like Shan Wallace can bring to the black voguing scene, right? right? Like if somebody asked me, if I had a client ask me, hey, can you get this? I would, I would not hesitate to give them Shan's number. I'd be like, <laughs> let me give you this number because i'm not doing it <laughs> really you know i mean and that that's there's no that's no lie i would straight up you yeah. know or, or Devin, you know like wait you need to talk to Devin. like this is not my thing so that paradigm has shifted i think hopefully through the industry yeah um but i do think you 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 don't need lived experiences to call attention to ills in society you know to help help other people. I agree with that. I, I, I have a very similar take on that. I, I think there's just certain things. It's like, what is, what's the goal? What's the aim here? And if the aim is to bring attention, then yeah, I, I think that's just doing the right thing and, and doing something that's ideal. But if it's kind of like, yeah, this isn't your scene. Like I always get weird about, um, I look at like, like criticism, right? Like, uh, uh, like music criticism or, or maybe film criticism. I don't want to get a critique from someone. It's like, I hate horror movies. So here's my take on this horror movie, hand it off to somebody right. else. That's not what you, right. what you're equipped to do. And you're going you're right. to already have like a bias or something that's baked in. That's going to make it less. It's not going to make it as good as it can be. Um, and it just leads to the distraction outside of it, outside of the criticism or whatever the actual uh, pursuit is there. Movie critics and comic book films. Why do you go? Why do you go? Yeah. Just don't go. And, you know, and, and, and that's the thing that's interesting. It's the thing that's interesting about that. The because I, I, I I've been struggling with it because I I don't need to watch a movie too often. I do a movie review podcast outside of this and. I don't have to go back too often for like comic book movies. It's rare that I go back and say, let me take a look at this. Let me rewatch this. But then I, I'm one of those people that I get caught up in the whole movie magic thing. And I was like, if you like olds, as I like to call some of these directors that have their, their feelings like Scorsese and such, it's like, okay, fine. Does this not fall into movie magic that like they're making this thing happen? Like don't completely just diminish it because it's not, what you would do or how you would do it. I don't know. Yeah. They're just old people, man. <laughs> uh, of, of your numerous travels and experience experiences, which, which ones come to mind when it's like this left a really big mark on me as a, in my career. Um, probably the work I did with, um, I mean, 
there's been like so much. I mean, you know, I, I was there and covered um, January 6th, right? The insurrection in January 6th. Um, I didn't have a hard time fitting in. <laughs> um, no, I, but I had two masks on. I was actually worried that they were going to yank my mask off. Oh, no. Um, more than the way, because of the way I looked. But, um, I mean, th there were a couple of things at City Paper that really left, you know, like, just, just work, just getting to work. There isn't really one. I mean, you know, working with the homeless encampment underneath 83. Um, but then you go back in hindsight, like, was that a good thing? You know, people did get medical help that they needed. You know, this one, one gentleman, Harrison Harvey, um, you know, I, I helped out. He was, his foot was gangrenous, you know, and I helped get medical attention. I put the camera down. You got to put your camera down, right? You got to be a human first mm -hmm. and a photographer second, right? Like the, I, I tell my students that like, you know, you, you got to be a human being first. Like it's not, you have to be. Um, and if someone says, don't take my picture, then don't do it. Yeah. You know, just don't do it. Like this whole, you know, I, I agree with the freedom of the press and all this stuff, but you know, when you, especially not be, when you're not from a neighborhood or you're not from an area, you're a guest in that, in this house. Right. And you should act accordingly. And this is what I tell my students. Cause I've met students from Micah white who, who had really get on this soapbox that they have a right to be there. Right. And they have a right to take these pictures and they don't have to leave. And, and that's just the wrong way to be, man. That's just the wrong way to be, you know? And, you know, when I go to different communities, like that's, that's the attitude I have is like, someone says, yo, don't take my picture. I don't take the picture. I'll keep talking to them. I just won't take the picture. You know, I'm not going to get scared and run off and not take the picture. But having an influence on like that had the most effect on me was, okay. I think the one that had was probably, I, I, I tracked down the oldest gambler at Pimlico race course, this guy blue. He, he was, he was 94 years old. And he'd been, he'd been going to Pimlico every day since 1946. He just passed away. Wow. He just moved on last, uh, last, last year, 2020. Yeah. Um, and he walked, he lived in the town, he lived in the, you know, the old folks home. That's at the end of Pimlico at the racetrack, walked every day. And I, I talked to his daughter. Uh, I, I made a short film of him. It was in Baltimore magazine. It wasn't for them. I did it myself. And then I asked if they wanted to run it. And they did. Gracefully, it was a photo essay in a short film. And just like talking to him and everything he went through, segregation and the Second World War and er everything, the 60s. Yeah. I mean, this guy was living history, just talking to this guy. But you saw it through his everyday dealings at Pimlico, <laughs> you know? Like, it was just, it was such a great experience to talk to him. Like, I went there every day for like two or two, almost three months oh, wow. just to talk to Blue, yeah. right? Because he, and then it wasn't COVID that, I talked to his daughter. She said that his social network had just collapsed because that was his everyday thing was going to Pimlico yeah. when he couldn't do it. He was just stuck in his house all alone. Yeah. And that's, that's what, you know, that, that she thinks that may have contributed to his sickness, but that, that story probably had the biggest, I, I think about him a lot mm. and that's how I know something's stuck with me when, you know, like I think about him pretty much once a week, he'll pop into my head. So that's uh that's, that was a long ass winded answer to your <laughs> no, question. No, that was, that was a good one. You're spinning a yarn there. That was good. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's like if you no dead air, no, no dead air at all. Uh, this, this notion of like going there and, and to, to Pimlico and being there with someone pretty much every day. It's just like, you know, for for a couple of months, that's that's like a semester. It's, it's a semester of school. Yeah. yeah. So definitely yeah. it's going to leave some mark, especially when you're covering and you're you're producing um, content out of that. That's kind of covering this person and the stories that they're putting forth. So. As a photographer, how do you see Baltimore? Loaded question, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Baltimore, you know, flat out, I mean, Baltimore is an apartheid city, right? It's, if, if you don't see that, to quote my favorite Greek philosopher, Flava Flav, <laughs> I got nothing for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Really, because of, you know, the if you read The Black Butterfly, if you read Doc Brown's book, if you, you know, I, I've... I've known him for a while and he and I, I, I we, we've um, talked about this before the book came out. So, you know, the white owl and the black butterfly, if you can't see how the city's divided up, you know, I got nothing for you. Yeah. I mean, that, and I see Baltimore, you know, you know, the, the role of a photojournalist in the city, I think is just to keep on city hall. You know, we have these problems we have led, man, we have, you know, I, the city's got, you know, one of the, one of the stories, and I don't know if you're going to ask this later on, but one of the stories that I, I, I really want to work on that nobody's covering is the city's high AIDS rate, mm. you know, like that, that gets things like that get pushed aside, but, but that, that gets in the face of the mayor and gets in, in the face of city council. And that's where I think, you know, the superpower of, 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 of good documentary photography comes in, I don't care about awards. I don't work for the New York Times. I don't work for the Washington Post. I'm not in this for for that, yeah. right? The only reason I have on, on my website, you know, my biography, the, the places you publish, the reason I have that is so I can get work. I mean, I have to get paid, I have to yeah. work. But, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't submit to award stuff. You know, um, the, the brew does with other, with stories that I'm attached to, but I don't, you know, I don't do image, you know, image awards and things like that. You know, I, I just really want to get these photo stories out there. You know, like I want to work on that. Um, so, yeah, so that, you know, that's where Baltimore is. Baltimore has some serious systemic problems, mm -hmm. I think. And, you know, they, I think some of them can be addressed. Like, okay, so for instance, like, you know, we went, you know, and like this, this farm today, right? We went down to this farm and they're getting evicted. Hopefully you know, all this coverage and the pictures and things will make, make housing change their mind. Who knows? Yes. Right. Maybe we can do something good because this farm is, it's, it's a fantastic spot in Cherry Hill and it's community and it's great, you know, yeah. and it needs to stay there. It's, if not, it's going to be a parking lot, man. Yeah. You know, so that, that, that's how I see Baltimore. You know, I see Baltimore as it's an apartheid city and the inequities are huge. And you see, I saw under the curfew with, you know, when, during the uprising, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I have pictures, Rob. I, I have a series of one of, of one guy who was essentially kidnapped by the National Guard up by Penn North. Mm -hmm. He's walking home from work. They picked him up, carried him, put him into, carried him. I got these series. Me and Baynard Woods were there at this corner. Yeah. We were the only ones there because we, we basically told the curfew to fall. Yeah. So we, we, we kept going around. And they carried this guy into a Hummer and took off. And we were trying, Hey, where are you going? Where are you going? This guy, this 
New Jersey, yeah. New Jersey National Guard. It wasn't even local. Pushing us, shoving us, telling us to get, by the time he got done pushing us, they were gone. So we had nothing. So we drove to Canton. There's white joggers, high National Guard, you know, running by the CVS. Yeah. This is one in the morning. You, I mean, you don't have to tell you, right? It's not, I'm not surprised. No, I'm just saying what we saw, right? You know, I'm not surprised. I'm not like, <gasps> you know, I, I saw these things. You know, I'm just saying, you know, when the kids were out in Hamden sitting in that park, Yes. All these, yes. all these code words at the overhead, you know, they're going to go to central booking with, you know, who, mm-hmm. you know, what he's white, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were using these code words, you yeah. know, and it, it, it's ridiculous how the city split up. like I, that. I remember uh, when that went down, uh, my, my partner was joking about it. She was like, I feel like you were in a mob deep video because I, <laughs> I had like a bunch of weed on me and I was coming from an acupuncturist appointment and my Ubers wouldn't come into the city. So it was like 8.58. And I was like, oh, this acupuncturist ran a little over. I was like, isn't the curfew like nine? I was like, oh, shit. And yeah, I didn't have a good ID. I let it lapse. I was like, I've got issues to sort out. So I, you know, I'm like probably about 20 minutes away from my apartment at the time. And I'm just running down back alleys just so <laughs> I couldn't encounter and run into the police. I'm a six foot four black man. I was like, I am bait. Yeah. This is not going to be a good look, especially with, you know, my current circumstances and yeah. then seeing how things were just different on the news and seeing things that were going on in Hamden and, and things like that. I was like, it, it really is kind of, as you described, it's, 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 it's filtered in such a way that let's keep certain personalities for lack of a better, let's keep the animals inside. And that's the way that it's presented. Unfortunately, and but it's the reality. It's the reality that we've accepted. And it is it, funny because when the, the, the precursor to all of that, I was doing a podcast. I, I was recording a podcast when the uh, original news about Freddie Gray came out and we were uh, we were just kind of it was like normalized. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what the police do. They, they kill black people. That, that was literally the, the, the conversation we had at the podcast and didn't know it was going to lead into that. And it became subject matter for the podcast that we were doing for like the next two to three months and became a really big part of our lives. Um, the, the stuff with what, what paper was it? Uh, I don't know if it was, I don't know which paper it was, but the nonsense that happened at Oriole park around that time, mm-hmm. my, my co-host was down there. He was like, yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> so we were kind of, you know, from our vantage points talking about these things. And I, and ultimately I'm saying all of this to kind of maybe look at podcasts in a very similar way as what a photojournalist does in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, you guys are saying this. Well, I have I have images that says the opposite or you guys are saying this. I have podcasts and information with people who are in the city, who are around the city, who are seeing this shit and they mm-hmm. have no reason to lie. you like, yeah. here's the truth, ultimately like this alternative kind of news and presentation piece. And I think that's, that becomes like the news that, that that's the thing that kind of moves people kind of makes things happen because people will have a narrative that they want to run with. And then that's just a story until someone challenges it. Yeah. So speaking of podcasting and photojournalism, this is a backhanded segue for me. How how has it been co-hosting the podcast? Um, we like it. We, we took a, we took a hit with COVID. We were, um, we're up to 74 episodes, I think. Oh, wow. Um, 
And <laughs> it's funny, my producer just that ping, he just chimed in. It's so weird, man. <laughs> um, so we, uh, so we couldn't do it all through COVID because we lo- we, we were, we were, um, recording out of Loyola university's radio station. Um, and he was like, you know, COVID, we couldn't go to university. So Elena and I, she has, you know, we were both teaching and she has a family. So we, we kind of took a little bit of a hiatus for the COVID year. We got back into it. Um, we got a few episodes out. She was editing at home. She was doing all the editing, but she's a professor at Stevenson. So we're on a, a little bit of a break now for the summer, but I'm hoping now that we're vaccinated to school, you know, we have our cards that we'll be able to get back into the studio and kick it off again, um, in the fall okay. at Loyola and get back into our, cause it's a weekly podcast. So we had a couple speed bumps and I know people have been doing it, you know, podcasts all through COVID and stuff. Um, but you know, it's, it's what, what we could handle mentally and stuff. So, you know, we, we took a break and we, but, but we got back to it. We got about four episodes in, in the past couple months. And then we're on a summer, we were going to be, we're always on a summer hiatus cause she travels around. So we're going to get back to it anyway in the fall, you know? And has, has that had any influence on your work or has your work kind of made you more equipped to do that podcast, like the, the, the photojournalism, the photography work, and even your, your, your educational background, as far as being an educator, has that like served the podcast and have the podcast served any of the stuff that you do outside of the podcast? Um, I don't think it has really influenced my work at all because it's kind of a separate room in my head. Right. I mean, the the reason we start, the reason I started the podcast, um, was because I got tired. Like I wanted, I wanted a good photojournalism podcast. Right. I mean, I have a Baronax like street photography stuff. He's got his, but outside of that, I couldn't find any, and when we started, this is on four, almost four years now, you know, when we started, it was like two white dudes and their whiskey. And they're like, what are you shooting with? And no women, no photographers, no, nobody in the field, no photographers of color. And I wanted to get rid of all that. I wanted to talk to people in the field who were doing the work and, you know, kind of like not hobbyists and people doing it on the side. Right. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, and there's a lot of photo podcasts that are for people who aren't doing it professionally. Um, and I really wanted to talk to, the documentary people. And then, you know, we, we, you know, we talked to, you know, Brent Lewis who started diversity, the, the website mm-hmm. for photographers of color. We talked to, um, we talked to him. He was, you know, he was one of our first really big guests because he tweeted and I follow him on Twitter. Most of my guests come from Twitter, by the way, DMS really. Um, it's the best. Yes. It's the only reason one of the reasons I'm, I'm on Twitter. And when, when black Panther came out, he, he did this fantastic thread on every single magazine cover that Chadwick Boseman was on mm-hmm. was shot by a white photographer. Every single one. I know that look, this is why <laughs> I was like, I happen to have a podcast and I would love to talk to you about this on. And he was on like the next day. Nice. And it was great. So, you know, he was like one of our big guests and then it just, you know, we found, we, we did, you know, when, when the me too movement 
you know, um, Kristen Chick on Vox broke the Me Too story in photojournalism. We had her on and sign as the, the editor of Vox. So we, you know, we're, we're trying to keep up with these issues in photojournalism, not just be about what do you use and things like that. Like we, we did a three part series on, you know, shooting war. And one of the people we talked to for the series in the third episode was with a doctor who specializes in PTSD for photojournalists oh. Oh. and dealing with that. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like that, that, that's how, you know, that's how deep I wanted this to get, you know, that's how heavy I wanted this to get. And, and that's the thing, like as a, as, as a person, and I say this every time, but as a person that's been doing like podcasting for as long as I have, like more than a decade, I always look for like, what are you aiming for? Like I, I've taught, I've consulted all of these different things. And I, know very little about photojournalism but what you described there it's just like oh i can learn something from this instead of Hopefully. just listening to some people just ramble on so i i yeah. kind of just look at it like podcasts are there to entertain inform think things like that and i and i hope that mm. you know this podcast does a little bit of that and from what you were describing with you know 10 frames per second that's what i'm hearing so yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully we do, you know, <laughs> so I got, I got two more questions and sure, one is the comic one I just added in. I'm going to, I had to, okay. to retool it cause I think it's a good one. Uh, but I'll, I'll hit you with this one. Uh, so I read that, that your, your struggle series is in the permanent collections you touched on earlier at Reginald um, Lewis museum. Um, and your work is featured in NPR, Rolling Stone and so on. Uh, how do you define success? And is there a moment that really sticks out that you're really proud of? Well, I mean, what's success, right? Like, you know, my book just came out from a publisher in New York. Um, it wasn't kickstarted or anything. I'm already thinking about the next project, you know, like I, I don't, I don't know what success means, <laughs> you know? Cause I mean, when you, when you start talking about I'm successful, then, then, then your ego starts to kick in. And when your ego starts to kick in, you start believing your own bullshit, right? Yeah. And then when you start believing your own bullshit, then, then your work starts to suffer because you think you don't have to work hard enough because you've already done it. So, I mean, what, what is, what does success mean? You know, like it, it's, it's a hard, I don't know. I mean, I, am I happy with pictures? Never, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, really, you know, I, I always get like, I get such anxiety and stress. I, I never think that I do a good job on a, on a, on a gig. And I know that sound that can sound just as arrogant as saying I'm great. Right. Like always being like, I'm not, I'm not very good. People are like, Oh man, you're so great. And you're like, no, I'm not. And they're like, whatever. You know how that sound, how dumb that sound, but it's kind of true. Like, I, I don't know what, you know, I mean, success to me is if my work is around in 50 years, I won't be here, but if it's around, then somebody be like, wow, he's pretty successful. Yeah. You know, cause I, I don't, I don't care about, having multiple buildings or multiple cars or multiple, I don't, I, I'm not a materialistic person. Right. So I don't care about having things. I collect photo books. Right. Yeah. That's it. That, that's my thing. But other than that, like, I don't know, you know, someone's like, you ain't making no money. I'm like, so, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I'm happy to look at the books that I have. I'm happy to be able to like, go out and take pictures. And if I want to wake up at 11 in the afternoon, I can, you know, <laughs> that, that, that sounds successful to me though. You know, I mean, right. But that's, that's someone's definition of 
you know, of success. And I mean, you know, the, the struggle series that I did, the series of portraits, I mean, you know, I got to go down to freedom summer and meet, you know, hang out, hang out, like legitimately hang out with Bob Moses and Julie, Dr. Bond and, you know, Ron Karenga and, you know, all these cat, like, it was great. I was honored to get these portraits when I was down there, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, um, Reverend Dr. Lowry, you know, like all these portraits that I did. I mean, to me, that's success, yeah. right? Yeah. To me, to be able to, to do, to hang out with those giants like that, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer's niece, you know, people like that. Um, to me, that's, that's success. When you're able to do that. I mean, that's my definition. Some people are like, I want a big car. Okay. That's your definition. I'm not judging anybody for their definitions. I mean, I want to be able to do my podcast on gold microphones. That's yeah. Uh, that's how I'm going to deem success. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, big Rob is here with the gold mics. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> not at all. I, cool. not, uh, I, I think in, uh, I think, you, you know, because you're, you're a very straight shooter and uh, I think you're, you're right. I agree with it, but it's kind of like, are you enjoying yourself or do you still want to do it? Do you feel that you're getting these opportunities and you're, you're getting something out of them and you're able to just kind of have a life that feels comfortable. That's, yeah. that's the way I kind of look at it. And I envy that from, I always look at like comedians and things like that. It's like, you guys just kind of get up and do an hour and then back to your room or whatever. I was like, I kind of envy that. I, I romanticize about yeah. that. And when you said wake up at 11, I was like, shit, I, I wake up at six every day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's too much for me. But uh, 11 sounds is, is enviable. Uh, last question I have before we get into shameless plugs. Um, so I had to look this up while we were talking. And I, and I think I have a goat. And this is comic related. Are you more of a Jimmy Olsen or Peter Parker? <laughs> I'm more of Friday Foster. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's great. I'm here for it. Nah, I mean, I, I guess Peter Parker, cause he's, <laughs> he's independent where Jimmy Olsen seems to rely on Superman. He does. Right. <laughs> where Peter Parker has to take his own selfies the whole time. Mm -hmm. Right. And he has to rely on his own stuff. Where Jimmy Olsen just, you know, called, you know, he's he's relying on Superman. So I, I'd say oh, that's Peter Parker. But Friday Foster is getting a reboot. That's why I put a plug in. For oh, that. nice. I, there's there's a new series coming out about Friday. It's a Pam Greer movie, also. See, see, way. I'm see, I'm learning things right here. See, much, much appreciated, much appreciated here. I'm learning things. Yeah, yeah that's just true. That's, that's old school. Yeah, yeah. but well, um, got in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, check check that. It's, it's it's a good. It's a very underrated Pam Greer because you always get you always get coffee. Um, and, um, like Foxy Brown or something. Foxy Brown. Right. Yeah. But you, you never get Friday Foster. It never really pops up on anybody's radar. Yeah. No. What's up? Carl so, Weathers in here. Oh man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check this out then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, check it out. so that's pretty much all the questions I had, um, for, 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 for this podcast, but this has been great. Um, shameless plugs. Where can he find your social media, all of that stuff since you're, you're doing your Twitter thing and you're, you're getting those guests. So yeah, put it out there, all your stuff. Yeah. So my, my Instagram, um, I always get my Instagram, my Twitter mixed up. So the Instagram is J M Giordano. That's G I O R D A N O photo. J M Giordano photo is the, is the Instagram. And then the Twitter is, I'm pretty sure J M G picks P I X. But let me just check. Cause I get, again, like, it's like trying, you know, like what's, I don't even know. Like my wife's phone number is like her name in my phone. Right. I don't even know what the number is. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? Great. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my Twitter handle is at JMG picks. Um, yeah. So that's those two. Um, and again, yeah, I've got, I have a, a big solo show up at the museum of industry. Um, this long-term project I'm working on about the collapse of the steel industry worldwide. And the Baltimore, some of the Baltimore work is up in a solo show at the museum right now that reopens on Saturday. That's going to be up through September, I think. That's good. And then, um, and then really get down. Let me um, pull up the info for, um, yeah, let me pull up the info real quick for the um, Houston exhibit, mm -hmm. which is coming up. Um, this weekend or next weekend, right on the, on the 10th. So that's, um, on, on July 10th. And that's going to be from three to seven. Um, and then I'm giving a talk. I got last plug. Uh, I'm, I'm giving a talk at the, um, Mobtown ballroom that night, the night of the 10th. I'm giving a talk about the book. We used to live at night. Okay. Yeah busy yet you have these things coming up in july so that's gonna be good yeah and then um i start my my kind of summer camp with the kids is coming up the end of july which i'm excited about fantastic so and they can yeah. and they can see all of these kind of updates on the on your socials right yes yeah I, i'm gonna be so so this week what i'm what i'm concentrating on is um what i'm concentrating on this week is the opening of the Museum of Industry. And then starting Monday, I'm going to be really concentrating on the Lewis show because that's going to be a great show. Um, I'm really psyched. Uh, we're getting jazz trumpeter Brandon Woody's going to be there. Nice. Um, so it's going to be fantastic. And that is with, um, let me see, just make sure I give everybody all there. So that's Dee Dwyer, mm -hmm. the photographer, Devin. Alan and myself are the three photographers in that show. Fantastic. And that's in honor of Robert Houston. Fantastic. Um, which I'm psyched about. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to um, seeing those next steps. See if I can pull up and be a part of the festivities. Cool, man. Yeah. I hope, I hope you can make it out. Absolutely. Come out and hang out. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's all I got. And uh, for, for the folks listening, there you have it. This is this has been great. This has been great. I hope I hope, I hope it lived up to the you know because again my favorite philosopher said don't believe the hype. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So for Joe Giordano, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just gotta look for it. Mm -hmm.